0: Section 46 of Flowers of Free Thought, Second Series. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Algie Pug. Save the Bible, March 26, 1893. Thirty eight clergymen. A year or two ago gave the bible a fresh certificate of inspiration and infallibility they signed a round robin if we may apply such a vulgar description to their holy document but somehow the bible is in as bad a position as ever it seems indeed in deadly peril and if something strong and decisive be not done for its protection it will soon be doomed such at any rate seems the view of a large number of clergymen who have signed a petition prepared by the rev e s folks of st mary's oxford and addressed to the most reverend the archbishop and the right reverend the bishops of the church of england in the house of convocation of canterbury assembled the petitioners call upon the archbishops and bishops to use their sacred office and authority and either to purge the church of heresy or to authoritatively and publicly recommend certain orthodox and admirable works which are calculated to arrest the spread of disastrous errors in the midst of our beloved church in order to show the precise nature of these disastrous errors we print the following paragraphs from the petition whereas it is generally known that certain clergymen of the church of england in positions of influence and authority are deliberately and altogether undermining by their teachings and public writings the faith of this church and country in the trustworthiness of the holy scriptures and are altogether repudiating the common faith of christendom that the said holy scriptures as received by this church of england are the infallible and inspired word of god also that by what is known as the new criticism these clergymen do attempt entirely to rob the people of god of the holy scriptures and altogether falsify the teachings respecting them of our lord jesus christ and of his holy apostles declaring some parts to be myths some fables some the work of dramatists etc ah then the enemy is within the camp it is no longer a question of infidel publications church professors and doctors of divinity are sapping the very foundations of the faith orthodox clergymen cry out in the language of this petition for salvation from the dangers of rationalism and unbelief within the church what does all this mean it means that free thought is triumphing by the permeation of the churches that advanced ministers are now doing in a sober steady scholarly way the very work so brilliantly inaugurated by voltaire and thomas paine that the bible is being subjected to rigorous criticism in england as well as france holland and germany that its documents are being shifted like the pieces in a kaleidoscope and every turn of the instruments makes them differ more and more from the orthodox pattern at present it is true the process is almost confined to the old testament there however it is nearly completed presently it will extend in earnest to the new testament and when it is completed there the bible will be something worse than luther's wax nose it will be a thing of shreds and patches old testament criticism by men like driver chain ryle and gore is indeed as the petitioners assert destroying faith in the holy scriptures as the infallible an inspired word of God. They still pretend it is inspired, but not infallible. Infallible, at this time of day, is a very large order. Professor Bruce, himself a Christian minister, is obliged to tell his orthodox brethren that the errorless autograph, for which some so zealously contend, is a theological figment. The Bible, he reminds them, was produced piecemeal and by the time the later portions were produced, the earlier had lost their supposed immaculateness. And he warns the infallible gentlemen that their position is really perilous when it is considered in what state we possess the Scriptures now. Yes, it is only country curates who can stand up now for an infallible word of God. Even Mr. Gladstone is obliged to admit errors, that is, errors in general. For he will not confess any in particular the reference in the petition to myths fables and the work of dramatists seems to be specially aimed at the reverend charles gore the principal of pusey house oxford and editor of lux mundi his essay in that volume on the holy spirit and inspiration is horribly distasteful to orthodox parsons they cannot refute him but they say he ought to know better, or he shouldn't write such things. In other words, he is guilty of the shocking crime of letting the cat out of the bag. He discards the creation story, just like Professor Bruce, who calls the fall of Adam a quaint embodiment of the theological conception of sin. He dismisses all the patriarchs before Abraham as mythical. He admits the late origin of the Pentateuch, and only claims for Moses the probable authorship of the Decalogue. He says the Song of Solomon is of the nature of a drama. The book of Job is mainly dramatic. Deuteronomy is the publication of the law, put dramatically into the mouth of Moses. Jonah and Daniel are dramatic compositions. Jesus Christ, it is true, cited both as historical, but he only accommodated himself to the prevalent belief, he knew better, but he did not choose to say so, or rather, the moment was inopportune. So he left us to find out the truth in this matter, as he left us to find it out in everything else. Canon Driver is perhaps glanced at in Fables, and perhaps also Canon Chain. The former has publicly argued against the reconciliation of Genesis and science. He has, likewise, written very strongly against the historical character of Jonah, which he treats as a story with a moral. Canon Shane regards it as an allegory. Jonah is Israel, swallowed up by Babylon, but seeking the Lord in exile, the captive is at last disgorged uninjured. These clerical apostles of the new criticism are accused of attempting entirely to rob the people of god of the holy scriptures poor people of god how anxious the petitioners are for their welfare some persons however will be apt to regard the solicitude of these gentlemen as professional robbing the people of the holy scriptures in their mouths may simply mean rendering the clergyman's trade more difficult or perhaps altogether impossible and therefore The bitter cry of these grievously beset Parsons, to use their own words, may be only a parallel to the famous old shout of Great is Diana of the Ephesians. Why indeed do not the petitioners refute the Apostles of the New Criticism, instead of appealing to the authority of convocation? They plainly declare that the New Criticism rests on utterly baseless foundations which is a curious pleonasm, or tautology, for a body of educated gentlemen. But if the substance of the Declaration be true, apart from its logic or grammar, the orthodox Parsons may scatter the heretical Parsons like chaff before the wind. Principles which are utterly baseless may surely be refuted. To quote from Hamlet, It is as easy as lying. Now that is a practice in which the clergy of all ages have shown great dexterity, we therefore hope the orthodox parsons will refute the new criticism. Let them try to save the Bible by argument. if they cannot, it is lost and lost for ever of section forty six